Good morning. Today's Bible reading is Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Abraham, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few in deep, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuilt kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of peoples set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his prince as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel entered Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes whose hearts he turned to hate his people, to conspire against his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his miraculous signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark, for had they not rebelled against his words? He turned their waters into blood, causing the fish to die. Their land teemed with frogs, which went up into the bedrooms of their rulers. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He turned their rain into hail with lightning throughout their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, grasshoppers without number. They ate up every green thing in their land, ate up the produce of their soil. 
Then he struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their manhood. He brought out Israel, laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes no one faltered. Egypt was glad when they left, because dread of Israel had fallen on them. He covered out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light at night. They asked, and he brought them quill and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out like a river it flowed in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alina. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, your word is life and truth. As we begin a new year this morning, please be in our very midst by your spirit to illuminate your word and communicate it to our hearts and our minds that we might respond as you call us to do with obedience and faith. We trust you, Lord, and we love you. Please be with us this morning as we open this wonderful passage of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's a piece of trivia for you this morning. Did you know that New Year's Day falling on the 1st of January is something that won't happen again on a Sunday until the year 2034? That's 11 years from now. So this is probably the last time I'll ever preach a New Year's Day sermon on a Sunday at Burwood. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, who knows what will happen in the world by 2034? For one thing, I'll be 70 years old. There's a letting out a secret for you, right? And by then, I guess, well, the net zero deadline for climate change will have come and gone back in 2030. And if Christ hasn't returned by then, well, we'd probably all be eating bugs for breakfast and remembering the good old days when people could still afford cow's milk for their coffee. Yes, they really are working on a plant-based cow milk substitute at the moment to save the world from the evils of cow gas emissions. They want to phase out cow's milk from cows. The world is going mad. And I think 2023 may well be a particularly maddening year for most sensible people. For one thing, there's going to be a state election and both sides are pretty hopeless, so trying to choose the lesser of two evils later this year. Then again, later in the year, there'll be a referendum on the voice that will drive the nation apart along racial lines. It's very sad. And I think we should expect our power prices to go through the roof, but 
don't worry because the government will give away billions of tax dollars so they can cap the prices and make us believe that inflation is being caused by the war in Ukraine, which is rubbish. I could go on, but I don't want to depress you. Welcome to 2023. What I want to do as we begin the year is inspire you in your faith. And so we turn to God's word to do that, not to the newspapers, not to the internet, but to the Bible. Psalm 105 is a great psalm to inspire our faith this morning because it is itself all about God's faithfulness. I wonder if you noticed when Alina was reading the passage, uh, it's all about him. He sent Moses his servant. He sent darkness. He turned their waters into blood. He spoke. He turned. He struck. It's all about the doings, the actions of the Lord our God. So the question this morning is, how faithful is our God? And the answer is, he is very, very, very faithful. In verse 8, notice it says, he remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. Now this is good news, isn't it? That God is faithful in a very uncertain world is something to encourage and inspire us in our faith. You see, basically Psalm 105, and by the way, Psalm 106 as well. We're going to look at 106 next week. It's kind of the flip side of today's psalm. But Psalm 105 is going to tell us the story of how God brings his people from being the nobodies that they are in verse 12 to being a nation in verse 44, from being few in number and strangers in the land. And sometimes it can feel like that as Christians today, kind of being few in number and strangers in the land, to being nevertheless God's chosen people and the inheritors of the lands of the nations. This is a big picture psalm. And the whole point of it is ultimately that God is faithful. How faithful is our God? He is very, very, very faithful. So there are two things I'd like you to do this morning as we look at the passage. The first is simply to appreciate the history of God's actions and activity in the midst of his people and understand that God's ways don't change. Learn from history. That's the first thing I want you to do and be thankful for all the good things that God has done. Learn from history. But then we mustn't simply be historians going back over the pages of history and learning the facts. We need to do more than that. As Christians, it seems to me, we must also be builders because we want to build up the church. We want to build up fellowship. We want to build up faith. So we want to learn from the past in order to look to the future, trusting in the Lord and knowing that he will supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us learn today to be both historians, knowing the past, and builders, confident and stepping out into the future as we look to 2023 and beyond. So I've got three points I'd like to share with you as we go through the passage this morning. Point one is a call to worship in verses one to seven. And this really is where we always ought to begin, isn't it? With worship. I mean, we should begin, we should continue, we should end with worship. I mean, if, if we who are God's church 
don't praise the Lord, who will? It is our special privilege to be people who know and praise the Lord. So let's start the year with thankfulness in our hearts to God, for he is so very faithful. First point is a call to worship. The second point is that we're going to enjoy a history lesson in verses 8 to 41, retelling Israel's story. And this covers some 700 years of Israel's history from Abraham to the journey to the promised land. We're going to meet Abraham, the patriarchs, Joseph, Moses. In the Bible, if you want to know the story as it's being told, it's actually covering the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. The first six books of the Bible. Like I said, Psalm 105 is a big picture psalm. And then I'm going to finish by asking the question, what is our duty today as God's people in 2023, facing the challenges of a world that is very unwilling to hear God's word? My last point is about God's calling today. And I personally think verse 45, the last verse, is crucial for us as we look forward to the year ahead. See, verse 45 is a call to renew our first love and obedience to God. Just as he called Israel to keep his precepts and observe his laws, so he calls on us as his people today to renew our first love and obedience to Christ. Yesterday, today and forever, Jesus is the same. Now that, that verse, I think that sums it up here too. Whatever tomorrow may bring, I know that our God is faithful and he has a good plan for us in 2023 and beyond. So let's now take a look at the opening verses of Psalm 105. As I said, this is a call to worship and is a real beauty starting in verse 1. I enjoyed listening as Alina was reading it this morning. Let's look at it again. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. These verses are full of good advice for all believers. You may want to write some of them down or underline them in your Bible. That's what I've done. When there are at least ten different ways here in which we can worship the Lord in response to the wonders he has done. Let's list them now. First of all, give thanks. Do you see it's bolded there? Give thanks to the Lord. We have so much to be thankful about in life. Let us think about what we are to be thankful for. A life of a lack of thankfulness often leads to bitterness and recriminations and, and unforgiveness. If, if you are able to see the good things that God has done for you and to be thankful, to be thankful for life, thankful for family and friends, thankful for the way in which God has been teaching you and leading you. If you can be thankful to God, that certainly helps to change your whole attitude to life. Give thanks to the Lord and call on his name. You have the privilege of knowing God's name. Do you notice when we pray, we often, it is our practice to finish with the words, in Jesus' name. Normally that's how we finish, or in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are calling on God's name in our prayers, or the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We have a a relationship with God by which we know his name, for we are his children. I would say that Father is the Christian name for God. Abba, Father. And look at these other suggestions, recommendations, if not commands, urgings, shall I call them. Make known among the nations what he has done. Evangelism, sharing the good news. Sing. Sing praise. Tell. Use your mouth, use your lips to express the joy of what the gospel means to you. What about this one? Glory. Glory, exalt, be, be uplifted to the highest place as you reflect upon the names of God. And there are many in the Bible. Glory in his holy names, his attributes, his character. Rejoice, look, seek, and remember. Go back over those great truths. Recall them to mind, for they will strengthen you in your faith as you walk in a weary world. Well, I wonder which one of those catches your attention today. It's a good question, isn't it, as we think through them. Which one jumps out to you as perhaps a point to take home with you as you start the year? On this first day of January 2023, I wonder which one of these catches your attention. Well, personally, I'm going to share the one that catches mine. I'm most challenged this week by seek his face always. To me, it means desiring to be in his presence every day and in all circumstances. Not just for his advice or his counsel or his help, but to spend, as it were, unhurried time with my God. Being, as it were, a friend of the king. What a privilege, what a joy to seek his face always. The lesson is that our worship is meant to be a whole of life thing and it ought to be a real foretaste of heaven. Seek his face always. And this becomes even clearer when you look into the background of Psalm 105 and you realise that the opening section of the psalm is repeated in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 16. The same psalm or section of it is in First Chronicles, chapter 16. And if you go back there to First Chronicles 16, it tells us of the day that this psalm was first sung. It was on the day when King David danced before the Lord, when the Ark of the Covenant was being drawn up the hill to Mount Zion. And on that day, King David taught the people to sing this song. And praise the Lord that it's still being used today for this very same purpose, 3,000 years after King David wrote it. Verse 6, O descendants of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And that message has gone forth from Jerusalem to the ends of the world, even here to Sydney, Australia. God's word is living and active. It continues to fulfill its purpose for God's glory today. But it seems to me that in a, a world of distractions, we need to keep the Lord our God at the centre of our lives and not let the distractions draw us away and not let our love for him grow cold. 
have you been going lately in your walk with the Lord? Has your heart been growing cold? Have you just been going through the motions? Or have you been seeking his face always? That's why this is a challenge. It's, it's something that requires intentionality, isn't it? It's not like just bumping into someone in the street. It's deeper than that. I believe God is calling us to reflect on his word today and put it into practice. Wouldn't that be a radical thought? The more you make yourself available to the Lord, the more you seek his face, then the greater the sense of joy and meaning and purpose in your life will be in relationship with your king. I really think this is true because I found it to be true myself. God is so very faithful. And from thanksgiving comes praise, and from praise comes singing and the desire to tell others the good news of what God has done. When we are weak, we look to him for strength. When we are needy, we call on his name. When we are lonely or need assurance, yes, we seek his face. When we fall into sin, well, we remember the wonders he has done and the judgments he has pronounced, both the judgments on sin and the work of the Saviour Jesus who wipes that sin away. It's not rocket science. It's just good old down-to-earth wisdom for God's people and sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? Because God wants us to engage with him personally in worship, in all of life. Our minds, our tongues, yes, our feelings and our emotions and our voices too, our actions and our prayers should all be involved in the daily worship of the Lord our God. So make your home today with the thoughtful and the thankful. I might say choose your friends wisely. It does make a difference. Come to church. Be amongst the fellowship of God's people. Make your home with the thoughtful and the thankful that they might encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But maybe you've been doing it tough lately. Many have. Maybe you even feel that God has let you down or your prayers have gone unanswered or, or your fears have not been calmed. Perhaps you're even starting to wonder, is it worth it to go on following the Lord or not? Well, in a moment, you'll see some of the hardships that God's people have faced in the past that are recounted in our passage today. And I hope then you'll see that it's always worth it to follow the Lord even when it's hard even through the valleys, it's always worth following the Lord because he is faithful. You know, God's people had to endure times of famine in verse 16, of slavery in verse 17, of injustice in verse 18. If you had to endure times of injustice, well, you're not the first and you won't be the last. And there were many other challenges besides that God's people had to endure then that perhaps you are having something similar today. And yet God has always kept his promises to them as he has promised to keep his promises to you because he is so very, very faithful. Well, that brings me now to my next 
point, the second point today, reliving Israel's story. This is the longest part of the whole psalm. It's basically a history lesson, like I said, retelling God's dealings with his people. It's a reliving of Israel's story. It's a collective memory of God's faithfulness written for the purpose of encouraging God's people in our faith, that we might have our hearts lifted up, our our spirits refreshed, that we may not lose heart or wander away, but persevere in our faith in a fallen world, no matter what the challenges may be. So we're going to take a walk through 700 years of salvation history from Abraham to Joseph in verses 8 to 15, from Joseph to Moses in verses 16 to 23, and from Egypt to the Promised Land in verses 24 to 41. Are you ready? Let's go. The story of God's relationship with his people begins with Father Abraham, the father of faith. You can read about Abraham and his descendants, Isaac and Jacob, in the book of Genesis, chapters 12 to 36. Okay, you can go and read the whole story there. But this is the Reader's Digest edition, cut down to just these verses. And the story is this, that God chose one man out of all humanity, just one, to be the agent of his blessing, not only to Israel, but to the whole world. And the promise was made to Abraham and his offspring, who it turns out is Christ. For the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. So God made these promises to Abraham and his offspring and later on he sealed them with a binding oath. But he made these promises to Abraham. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And notice this, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. One man, a forerunner of the Lord Jesus who is Abraham's offspring. Psalm 105 captures the wonder of this promise with a simple summary. It's in verses 8 to 11 and it's on the screen. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. The promise of a promised land. So that's the promise there in verse 11 that leads us to Christ and the church and the new creation. A promise of land and blessing and of a living fellowship with the Lord God under the terms of an everlasting covenant by which God binds himself to be our God that we might be his people. Today that promise is what brings eternal life to all who receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit.
And now all that remains really is to see, well, okay, God's made the promise, how will he keep it? Knowing all the while that there are some insurmountable odds, it seems, some real obstacles that need to be overcome. For example, if you read the story of Abraham, you'll know that, well, he was still childless in Genesis chapter 12, and Sarah, his wife, was beyond childbearing age. How can they have children? It seemed impossible. And yet God made the promise. And Isaac was born. His name means laughter. What a joy to have this son. And then too, the land of Canaan, when they went to see, well, it was already populated with many and mighty people. What's God doing sending us to a place where there's already people there? And as it turns out, and we'll see this next week when we look at Psalm 106, well, the nation, the people of Israel, proved to be stiff-necked and stubborn, people who by no means deserved such kindness from the Lord. They were getting themselves in trouble at every step of the way. You think, Lord, why do you persevere with your faithfulness to such rotten and, and, and unreliable people. But do you want to know how faithful our God is? Well, you read on. First he takes the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, forms them into a family, into a tribe, and then into a people and ultimately into a nation. He preserves their lives and he rescues them time and again from their enemies and from themselves, really. But an example is King Abimelech, who almost married Sarah. And Abraham didn't uh, distinguish himself in the way that he dealt with that, but God was gracious. And so we read a summary of those events in verse 12 and following. But when they were but few in number, few indeed and strangers in it, in the land, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Time and again, God proved to be the rescuer. And gradually, yes, the people grew. They grew in faith, they grew in knowledge, in wisdom, in understanding, and in number. Against all odds, God tested them and taught them. He redeemed them. And he led them through the wilderness. He revealed his will for their lives. He gathered them at Mount Sinai and gave them a law to live by. He preserved Isaac's life for Abraham by providing a, a, a ram as a substitutionary atonement. And when Jacob was on his way to meet Esau, God allowed Jacob to wrestle with him and to gain a blessing. Such was Jacob's faith that God gave him the name Israel, for he said, you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. God was so faithful through those early days of the patriarchs. And he continues in faithfulness throughout the time from Joseph to Moses, the next section, verses 16 to 23, summarising in the Bible, Genesis chapters 37 to 50. Now, I don't have time this morning to go into all the details, but I think you should know roughly the story of Joseph's life. The child with the many-coloured coat who was an annoyance to his brothers, 
who had the dreams, his brothers sold him into slavery. And yet God turned even this awful situation into a blessing. Joseph's experience must have seemed to him like a terrible injustice, and it was. It was a terrible injustice. And poor Jacob, he thought that his son had died. And all the brothers kept that lie alive until much, much later. And yet, by God's grace, it meant that Joseph just happened to be in the right place at the right time to provide food and shelter for the whole family, including his aged father with whom he was reunited. And so it turned out that, in fact, God was preparing a way to save the lives of his people, even through the injustice, even through the hardship. He had a plan in view, and he proved to be faithful. Verse 20. The king sent and released him. The king here is Pharaoh. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased, and to teach his elders wisdom. So Joseph was there to prepare for the time of the famine. And it was the famine that brought the brothers to Egypt to look for food. And Jacob, sorry, Joseph recognised them and he tested them and eventually they were reunited and reconciled. And so by the end of the book of Genesis... You see how the first part of God's promise to Abraham is starting to take shape. His offspring, his family has grown. They may be small and insignificant, just 70 in number, but they are not to be despised, for God is with them and his promises are sure. That's something we also need to be reminded of today, isn't it? As we face uncertain times ahead in 2023. Like I said, we can feel small and insignificant and weak, but we are strong in Christ, for God is with us and his promises still stand. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, now we come to the last part of the history lesson. Okay, we're travelling through time into verses 24 to 41, from Egypt to the Promised Land, covering the story of God's people from Exodus to Joshua. This is about Israel's time of bondage in Egypt, the ten plagues, the provision of God's care in the wilderness, and points towards the crossing of the Jordan into the Promised Land. Look at verse 26. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, They performed his miraculous signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham, that is, the land of Egypt, Ham being one of the sons of Noah. So it's talking about the descent line that led to the formation of Egypt. They performed his miraculous signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham. And then follows a summary of the ten plagues, although only eight of them are actually mentioned here. The darkness, the blood, the frogs, the flies, the gnats, the hail, the locust, and of course that fearsome death of the firstborn by which Pharaoh was forced to let God's people go. And again, remember, you read the passage and you just see how it is God who is active in all these things. And by these signs, the Lord God reveals his glory by defeating the idols of the nations 
by humbling the pride of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And by then, the dread of Israel had fallen on the Egyptians, although Pharaoh made one final desperate bid to get them back, the crossing of the Red Sea. But from Abraham to Joseph, from Joseph to Moses, from Egypt to the Promised Land, from the Promised Land to David, from David to Jesus, from Jesus to us here today, there's never been a moment when God hasn't maintained his covenantal care of his people. In fact, we see that Christ was with them as he is with us every step of the way by his spirit. I want to just look at these final few verses, verse 39 to 41. Note, as it says, he spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give them light at night. Remember that pillar of of fire, the pillar of cloud? They asked and he brought them quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out like a river. It flowed in the desert. It's hard to miss the connections here, isn't it? Jesus himself said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread that came down from heaven. You got, your father's got manna in the desert, but I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats me, whoever feeds upon me will never die. He said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst, for it will become in him as springs of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is the rock He is the bread. He is that river of life. Praise the Lord. We see the foreshadowing of Christ in our passage. So that's our history lesson for today. I hope you've been able to appreciate the fact that God's ways don't change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is our faithful God throughout all generations up to this very moment. Now my final point leaving the last verse before us this morning, is about God's calling today. What is God calling you and me to do and to be in 2023? Well, Psalm 105 is on a trajectory that leads unswervingly to Christ. He is Abraham's offspring. He is the true Israelite. His faithfulness is the source of our eternal joy. So let's look at verse 42. For he remembered his holy promise to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations and they fell heir to what others had toiled for. And let's break off there. Again, this is all God's doing. The fulfilling of his covenant promises to his people in ages past. It's all of grace. It's all God's doing. But where's its leading? It's time for us to ask this question. To what purpose did God do all these good things for his people? Why? Why is he doing all these good things? Well, yes, the short answer is because he's faithful. That's the obvious answer. He he did it for his own glory. He did it in love. He did it that we might turn to him and live we might have fellowship with him and he with us, that he might be our God and that we might be his people. But we can go further than that. That's not not all there is to it. Because if you look at verse 45, you'll see the final words in this psalm, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws 
Praise the Lord. Now, do you see that little word at the start of the verse, verse 45, the word that? It's easy for us to skip over it, but it's actually being used in a really strong form here. Its function, I would say, is to signal to the reader that this is now the punchline of the entire psalm. So listen up. You've, you've, you've done your lesson, you, you've learnt your history, you've, you've thought about all the wonderful things that God has done. But now are you ready to listen and apply what God is going to say next? In light of all that God has done for you, for his people, for his church, what does he require of them? What does he require of us In verse 45, well, he gave them the lands of the nations and they fell heir to what others had toiled for to the purpose that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So we've been singing this song. We've been rejoicing in God's faithfulness and now God wants us to respond. How will you respond to God's faithfulness in your life? God's expectation in the life of his people was that they would receive his good gifts with thankfulness and would put his words into practice in their lives with joy. That he might be their God and that they would be his people. It's the same for us today. The only difference for us is that we're now living in the light of the cross. We've received the blessings of the new covenant in Christ's blood. So we're free from the letter of the Old Testament law. We're not Jews, but we're still bound by the spirit of the law. The truth doesn't change. God's character is the same. And so verse 45 is a call for us now to renew our first love and obedience to God, to remember all that God has done for us and to be thankful. And then out of that thankfulness, to regain a sense of purpose and direction that you might walk with the Lord, to appreciate his word, to seek his face always, to glory in his name, to tell of all his wonderful deeds. He called Israel to keep his precepts and observe his laws, did they? No. They did a very bad job and so do we. And yet we realise that God's promise is faithful. He's faithful and he will not let us go. So he calls us today to renew our first love and obedience to Christ at the start of the year. So in summary, what have we learnt today? The start of 2023, first we've learnt that our God is faithful. Very, very, very faithful. Faithful to keep all his promises to all his people for all time. Therefore, remember to be thankful. Thankfulness will change your heart. Secondly, that history is worth knowing and remembering. That's part of what Emmanuel College is about too. I've got an intensive course coming up in a couple of uh, weeks' time. It's not too late to sign up. $10 a day. Five days of teaching. 
History is worth knowing and remembering. Understanding the world in which we live. We need to do that. But we don't just want to be historians. We must be... We must be more than historians. We must also be kingdom builders, taking what we've learnt and and applying it in our lives in light of all that God has done for us in Christ. So, you know, in January, they've done a membership class. Maybe you'd like to learn more about what it means to be a a committed member to the life of our church. Come along for a membership class. Or the clean-up day, we're planning it for Australia Day at this stage, 26th of of January. Or there's our link groups and our our easy English Bible studies, and they'll be starting either in the end of January or in February. There is life and activity, and there is opportunity to plan for outreaches at Easter time and and throughout the year. What is God calling you to do, 2023? Fourth point is that God has given us a calling today which goes all the way back to Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, continues on through Jesus Christ. It comes to us. It's before us today in God's word. It's the Christian hope and we need to share it and show it. For our hope is based in the faithfulness of our God. Nothing else. Not in our faithfulness, but in his. So we need to share it and show it. Yesterday, today and forever, Jesus is the same. So whatever tomorrow may bring, we know that our God is faithful and he has a good plan for us in 2023 and beyond. And if this is the last New Year's Day sermon I ever preach, may it be that you are encouraged and inspired in your faith today to keep on walking with the Lord, trusting in him until he calls you home. May he work in us that which is pleasing to him. May he help us to be faithful in both word and deed that we might be useful kingdom builders to his glory knowing that he will supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this new year. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are good. We want to say again that we love you. We are captivated by your mercy and your grace, for you continue to delight and surprise us as your people. Please build us up in our faith, unite us together as your people in love. May we be salt and light in your world as we share the good news of your kingdom in our neighbourhood to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.